You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what's going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on in to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Dahl, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC-related things. But on this podcast specifically, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got a hot one for you here today. Going to ask the question, going to dive into what some of the fan base has been discussing. Is John Calipari failing Kentucky basketball going to break that down here on today's show also going to talk about the value of Oscar Shibway to this team currently it's not necessarily going to be a negative episode all around obviously we're going to talk about some positive things we're going to preview the governor's cup I'm going to give you my thought on that game no reason why Louisville should be ranked heading into this contest at least in my opinion shout out the college football playoff rankings for being irrelevant and also stupid simultaneously thank you guys so much for making locked on Kentucky your first listen Every single day, I want to remind everybody out there that we are free and available on all platforms. Been a hot minute for me. Uh, been going back and forth with some different things, you know, off air. And no, we do not have a camera for today. We'll have one uh, on, on Monday. Nobody freak out about it. I, I acknowledge we just simply have on YouTube uh, the little rotating uh, locked on Kentucky logo. It's going to be it's a it's a a okay for today's episode. All right, the question that everybody has been kind of arguing about. Uh, I, I think since the losses to Michigan State and Gonzaga, is John Calipari failing Kentucky basketball? Obviously, the national media has kind of thrown out the common refrain that, you know, no coach has done less with more over the past decade or so in college basketball. He's done all these different things recruiting. He's gotten all this different talent in there, and he's got one national title to show for it. And quite honestly, the things that he's done in the NCAA tournament outside of that have kind of been underwhelming at times, most notably this last season, whenever Kentucky had the National Player of the Year, uh, they fell flat in the first game of the tournament, lost in the round of 64 to St. Peter's. I'm going to go ahead and come out here and say I don't think Calipari is failing Kentucky basketball for one specific reason, but there are so many areas where he there, there's growing concern that we have to address it. Like, we have to talk about this because if things don't change, then you kind of maybe get a shift in the answer there. There's one thing I think that Cal has done for this program that has kind of allowed it to continue to have the status that it has had, which is recruiting. Now, I know some of you may say, well, the last couple years before this most recent class, you know, it's not been crazy phenomenal, and we've had to dip into the transfer portal, and those guys haven't necessarily been, you know, world beaters. And so recruiting has been kind of a touchy subject over the past couple of seasons for for Kentucky fans. But we've seen now with this upcoming 2023 cycle that Cal can go out there and he can get the players that he wants. We've signed four or five stars and an extra four-star who could be a borderline five-star depending on where you look and read Shepard. Look, Kentucky and John Calipari can get the guys. They can bring in the talent. He's not failing Kentucky there. The area that he is failing Kentucky the most, and this is what people are upset about, and a lot of people I think would push back on what I'm about to say, which is okay that some of the fan base views it this way, is I think schematically... In-game decision-making, X's and O's, offensive scheme, defensive scheme. We could dive into a lot of different things that are wrong 
with some of the decision-making that Cal has made in close, important, or valuable games. And this is not just, this is not just a recent thing. This has been an on-and-off issue since he arrived at, the, at, at Kentucky. It's been, it's been a hot minute since we've had to really talk about it, but these past three seasons, obviously these last two and then this one I'm counting as the third here, are really starting to cause some bubbled-up frustration within the fan base. You look at these two games against Michigan State and Gonzaga. Michigan State simply out-coached Kentucky. I said it in the recap episode. I believe the Wildcats are a more talented team. I believe that they are, are, as a collective, going to be a better team. But the coaching staff, the X's and O's, the decision-making late in game, Tom Izzo just dialing it up whenever he felt like it towards the end of that contest, and Kentucky having no answers and then on the offensive end, having little to no structure. You've seen these, these several beat writers on Twitter go and do film breakdowns of Kentucky's last couple of games. You've seen how offensively inefficient they are when it comes to setting up players to get open looks. Okay, you can't run the same floppy action over and over and over and expect a, the, a different result. You can't expect your best transition offense to be Severe Wheeler running to the basket and putting up a wild shot and hoping that it falls. Because the thing is, the, the, it happens enough times with different things where Kentucky makes terrible decisions on offense. It happens enough times where you see a basket go in, but it's not a legitimate excuse to say, okay, this is the way that we should run things continuously. Moving forward, it, it does not mean things should not change. And it's the same thing on the defensive end, right? John Calipari believes in man-to-man defense. You're hardly ever going to see this team in his own. Hardly ever. And a lot of it has to do with, the, obviously, it's his philosophy, but a lot of it has to do with the fact that he's come out and said, look, we're trying to get these kids NBA ready. We're trying to get these kids accustomed to that style of play, so that's what I like to run. It's what works best at the next level. You know, it kind of works out that way. I think a lot of people would immediately say we don't care about getting kids to the next level, and that's a conversation we can have at another date. We care about winning, at least here, is what a lot of the fan base has said, which I understand. That's a conversation we can have for another day. We've already talked about it here this past summer, actually. But my thing with John Calipari is, I think, whenever it comes to these games that matter, I'm going to dive into this more in a second. When it comes to these games that matter, you see him and this staff. I'm not just throwing him under the bus. He's the one that's, that's brought together this staff. You've seen them fail. You've seen them not have an answer. The high-end talent can only do so much for you. You can only bring out so many athletic, strong, physical shooters, whatever you want to call it. The best player you could possibly have, potentially, at their respective position. Their skill set fits it. Perfectly. You could have the best skill set at each position. But you can't win a game unless you tell the kids how to properly run an offense or how to properly play defense. You've got to be able to get some of these kids that need that extra coaching, that extra development to play up to their talent level. You need you you, you can't be consistently doing like take, for instance, and this is just random out of the blue. Take, for instance, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay, for the past, what, 20 years, 
Let's just look at the Big Ben era. Let's look at the past few years specifically. They've had a ridiculous amount of talent on their roster. A ridiculous amount of talent. And time and time and time again, they have consistently underachieved or they have played down to their competition. And it's not just one or twice, once or twice a year. It's every other game. And they've been able to win. But there have been times where it's like, okay, we need to be able to step it up. We've got all of this talent. What is the coaching doing? I'm not ragging on Mike Tomlin. I mean, he's had a winning record every single year he's been in the league. And I'm also not a Pittsburgh Steelers fan for those out there wondering. I don't even have an NFL team. But anyway, point being, you have to be able to execute with the talent that you have acquired. And Kentucky has not been able to do that consistently against teams that matter. I tweeted it out the other night, and a lot of people got upset. Like, you're what's wrong with the fan base? Okay, let me explain myself. Kentucky and John Calipari, Calipari, however the heck you want me to pronounce it. Everybody pronounces it differently. Get off my back about it. I want to talk about why I think this season, this non-conference slate specifically, we're just going to talk about this year. Let's talk about this year. Let's not talk about past years. Let's talk about this season. We can't afford to lose important or valuable games. I need to see Kentucky win a game that matters. And you may say, well, Lance, what about the other games? I want to get to why some of these games are more important than others in a second. I think it's kind of obvious. Before we do that, though, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at Underdog Fantasy. It is the easiest place to spice up college football uh, this season. It's easy to play and available in over 30 states. You can pick between two to five players across any team, not just your team. I mean, if you don't even go with, with Kentucky, we're going to talk about the Governor's Cup in a little bit. If you want to go with some other team, and you can look at an individual statistic that Underdog will present you, and you can decide whether or not that individual player on that team will finish higher or lower in that given statistic. So, for instance, let's say uh, Bryce Young, Kentucky, or excuse me, he's playing whoever this Saturday, and he is listed at over, under, higher or lower, 290 passing yards. You can decide whether or not you want to take higher or lower. It's very simple. And then you can add them all up. You can pick two to five players. It's a lot of fun. It's super easy to use. And I had a lot of luck on Thanksgiving yesterday picking higher or lower on some of the individual uh, NFL statistics, actually. Would really encourage you guys to check, check it out. It's not just college football, by the way. It's not just NFL. They've got stuff for college basketball as well, MLB. They've got a ton of different sports out there. You've got to try it. You can sign up with the promo code Locked On. That's one word, Locked On. And Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That means if you deposit $100, you get 100 bucks free. You can go to underdogfantasy.com or find the Underdog Fantasy app in the App Store or the Google Play Store. Again, that's Underdog Fantasy promo code Locked On. You can get in on the college football pick'em action today. All right, continuing along here on the Friday edition of Locked On Kentucky. Listen, I want to talk about the value of Oscar Sheboy in a second, but I want to finish my thought here on John Calipari. He's not failing Kentucky for the specific reason that he can actually recruit this talent. The moment that he stops recruiting this talent at this high of a level, or the moment that we see so many losses that it's kind of like, okay, we got to do something about it, then we can kind of come to the conclusion, like, okay, he's truly is failing this team and this program. The value of individual games, okay? I'm not talking about just winning the big game. I'm not just talking about you've got to catch a dub against Gonzaga because I said you should. It's so much more 
than picking up a top five win on the road. It's so much more than picking up a win against a top 15 team at a neutral site like Michigan State. It's about resume. The net rankings, bracketology, and all of these different statistical metrics to determine whether you should be seated where you think where people think you should be seated in the NCAA tournament is important. You have to value these things. You notice now some coaches are talking about the value of winning a game by a certain margin because they understand that the net rankings have influence on where they could potentially be seated at the end of the season. You've got to pay attention to these things if you're coaching. You've got to pay attention to how you win games now. You've got to pay attention to obviously winning those games because they can build your resume up to where if you falter at different points because of injury or whatever it may be, you know, you've got those early season wins to kind of prove, hey, we are still a good team. And so far in the two matchups, that Kentucky has had that have been worth a rip, they've failed. They lost to Michigan State. They lost to Gonzaga. In the process, they played some terrible defense. And so they're going to have a few more opportunities. Michigan, Yale is actually a decent team. UCLA, you're going to get to play Louisville. <laughs> uh, yeah, yikes. Uh, thoughts and prayers for Louisville in that game. You're going to get to play Kansas in the middle of that SEC slate. Listen, you're going to still have opportunities to go out there and execute. And here, listen, things can change this season, right? Kentucky can make adjustments. Changes can be made for the good. But as of right now, over this past, what, two and a half seasons now, I think the question is is being asked more and more. We have to at least identify it. Is John Calipari failing Kentucky basketball? Uh, and I think right now he's he's because of the recruiting, he's not. But there's so many different areas where you just have to stop and wonder, when does it change for one of the best coaches in the game, supposedly? When does it change? And obviously, one of the guys that's carrying the momentum for this team has kind of been able to, you know, kind of provide a little bit of a safety net, I think, obviously, is Oscar Shibway. Now, I said earlier in, in the season, like after game one or game two, I'm like, listen, this team, if they continue to play the way, that, and let's be specific here, if this team continues to play the way that they are currently playing, they can win games without him. Obviously, he is still incredibly valuable, but they can win games without him. And that's awesome because it shows you that this team is a little bit more well-rounded a little bit better coached than maybe we anticipated. And then they started losing the two games that mattered here in the first five. And it's like, well, I want to walk it back a little bit. Oscar Shibway's value to this team cannot be understated. So you had 22 points in the loss to Michigan State. Played 34 minutes. He had 20 points in the loss to Gonzaga. Played 29 minutes. And the other two games that he's appeared in, you know, Kentucky's kind of held him back 22 and 14 minutes, respectively, against North Florida and South Carolina State. But he has been the reason that Kentucky has even stayed in those games that they lost to the Spartans and the Bulldogs. And so I will, I will restate something that I said a couple of weeks ago. If this team continues to play the way that it is, Kentucky cannot win 
without Oscar Shibwe. Now, there have been some people out on social media that have been a little bit more dramatic than I have, and they've come out and said, well, this is an NIT team without uh, Oscar Shibwe on the floor. Or this, is, this team's not going to amount to anything as long as he's not. And I'm not saying that. Like, obviously, Kentucky's got pieces. And some of the kids that are in slumps right now will not stay in slumps for the, for the foreseeable future. Right? But the value of Oscar Shibwe, first of all, as a post presence, because you've got on Yenzo. He's been, he's been decent. He's done what Kentucky's asked him to do, but he is nowhere near in a position to take over a larger role than what he is currently, currently uh, undertaking. Because he's still a freshman. He's still raw. He should be playing high school ball right now, right? So Kentucky, not only do they need him for depth, they need him for offense. Kentucky doesn't have an answer on the outside. Listen, I thought I came into this season saying, hey, guys, we've got shooters, plural. We've got Antonio Reeves. We've got C.J. Frederick. We've got Cason Wallace, who I thought was going to be good. And boy, howdy has he. Like, we've got guys on the perimeter that can actually hit. So Oscar Shibwe may not necessarily need to be as dominant as he has and he could still un- end up being as dominant because teams may have to focus on that outside shooting, which will create more opportunities for Shibwe. But no. No. The, the shooting just hasn't necessarily been there. And I will say this. Um, we talk about the, the frustration with John Calipari and the coaching. And I'll say this. Although there apparently seems to be a disconnect between what Coach Cal wants the team to run and what they are running, which is wild to me. It's also wild to me that he blamed it on Shibwe not being there. I'm not even. I'm not even going to get into that today. That's one of the dumbest. Anyway, I don't. Whenever you look at the way that Kentucky likes to run their offense, obviously I've said uh, for the year that I've been doing this show that their best offense obviously is created in transition. Well, they're kind of struggling with the decision making. It's been really confusing to me how just Severe Wheeler and some of these other guys and Jacob Toppin, they just, it seems so rushed still. Like for some of these veteran guys, it just seems so rushed. I don't understand what is the problem, like why we can't make these adjustments, why we can't make changes, tell these guys to slow down, make better decisions. These are veteran players. Jacob Toppin, Severe Wheeler, Oscar Shibway, these are veteran players. Why are we rushing things? Why are we making better decisions? We've got one of the best coaches in the game. We've got seniority on a team that normally doesn't. Doesn't make sense to me. And then you've got players that are younger having to step up, like I mentioned, you've got Yenzo. And then Case and Wallace, I just want to throw this out here real quick. I said, and I'm not saying, look at me, you know, I'm, I'm a prophet because anybody could have predicted this. I was like, man, this kid's going to be really good. He may be one of the most valuable players on this team because of what he's going to be able to do defensively. He stepped up for CJ. I'll say that. But you look at statistically what he's done. He's shooting 55% from the floor. He's shooting 47% from three, averaging almost 12 points, three and a half rebounds, 4.8 assists, and three steals a game. Three steals a game. He's averaging more steals than personal fouls, and he's averaging more steals than turnovers. I mean, the dude is just going insane. He's a, he's a lottery pick hands down. Easy. Easy. Don't even have to think about it. The value of Oscar Sheway cannot be understated. 
if this team cannot find an outside shot or can find better decision-making or can find better offensive scheme, or, well, I don't know what they're going to do, then yeah, they're going to struggle at times this year. That high-end talent will get them through most of the SEC slate. But what has it all been about for the fans, guys? It's been about doing things in the postseason. And there's so much time for this team to develop. But the early return is not looking good. That's all I'm going to say. All right, I want to preview the Governor's Cup, give you my thoughts on Louisville just as a whole and why I think uh, this may not be as close of a game as some people may and it, it predict it to be. And I'm talking it, it could go one way or another. I want to tell you guys about our friends first at Good uh, Get Upside. Whether it's driving less, dining out less, or buying less from the grocery store, we can all agree there's nothing fun about less. That's why I and several of my family, family members also started using Upside. Upside is an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. With Upside, I don't have to cut back because I get cash back on every single purchase that I make. And to get started, you can download the free Upside app today. And you can use my promo code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Next, you can claim an offer for whatever you're buying on Upside. You can check in at the business, pay as usual with a credit or debit card, and you can get paid. In comparison to credit card renewals, or, or excuse me, rewards or royalty uh, loyalty programs, you can earn three times more cash back with Upside. Upside users on top of that are earning more than a million dollars every week collectively. It's probably why they have a 4.8 star rating on the App Store. You can download the free Upside app and use promo code LOCK to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Again, five bucks or more cash back on your first purchase of 10 bucks or more using promo code LOCKED over at Upside. Would highly encourage you guys to check it out. All right, wrapping up the Friday edition of Locked On, Kentucky Lance Dahl hanging out here with you. The Governor's Cup. As of right now, Kentucky is favored by two and a half, according to our friends over at Bet Online. The Louisville Cardinals, uh, right now, currently ranked uh, at number 25 in the college football playoff rankings at seven and four. I'm going to be honest with you, do not understand that one in the slightest, especially considering you know the the, the struggles that the Cardinals have had at some point this year. You know that at one point. Several t- at several points this year, Scott Satterfield was apparently going to get fired. I mean, they started the year two and three after a loss to Boston College, which, goodness gracious, they lost to Boston College. Holy cow. Uh, it looked like things were, were going to go downhill. And um, they kind of, you know, rallied back, and now here they are heading into the Governor's Cup. They, according to ESPN's FPI, they got about a 56% chance to win this one. Disagree with that. And, I mean, you look at statistically what both these teams are doing. Malik Cunningham has been nowhere near as decent as many thought he would be heading into this year. He's only got eight passing touchdowns. Cardinals averaging 28.5 points per game, though. That ground game has been pretty effective for them so far this season. But the thing that kind of makes me have pause with this are a couple of common refrains that you probably hear whenever SEC teams match up with teams outside the conference. I think when you look at these two teams, and I may end up being completely wrong on this. When you look at these two teams and you look at their talent level at individual positions, look, I know that Kentucky has struggled offensively 
so far this year. I mean, they have struggled. But I think their talent level on both sides of the ball, particularly on defense, is going to carry them in this matchup. Look, we just saw them hold Georgia to 16 points. You don't think that Kentucky can go out there and play a little bit better or just as good? I'm not saying from a points-per-game perspective. I'm just saying just looking at the overall product. You don't think they can do that against Louisville? A team that gave up 33 points to a Boston College earlier this year? That bothered, that bothered me bad then, and, I, and obviously, clearly, you can tell it bothers me now. Look, I just don't think Louisville is as good as 25th best in the country. Yeah, they beat Wake Forest. They also created five turnovers in like 30 seconds. So what? They beat Pitt. That's not that good of a team. They beat NC State, who hasn't had their quarterback for most of the year. Kentucky's going to have their quarterback. On top of that, it's something that I don't think we that a lot of people are talking about. Dude, Malik Cunningham suffered a concussion against NC State. Or he missed the NC State game, rather, and he suffered a concussion against Clemson. He's not fully healthy. If they don't have their starting quarterback, that's a wrap. That's the game. Kentucky's going to do what they want. They're not going to win by 30, but they're going to go out there, and they're probably going to establish themselves at the line of scrimmage, and they're probably going to affect some things. Now, of course, the question you have to ask is, you know, outside of Kentucky obviously having the talent edge, what does the coaching do in this game? Because special teams has been, I think, I genuinely, I'm not trying to be dramatic here. And again, I, I, I didn't think this, neg- I tried to not make this show as negative as, as it's come off to be. The special teams unit may genuinely be the worst that I've seen collectively out of a team following an individual team in my entire lifetime. I mean, it has just looked bad from the jump <laughs> all the way through the season. I'm sorry, I'm laughing. It's just, you think of at some point, you know, the team would be able to kind of, you know, get out of their funk. You know, just continue to miss extra points, miss random field goals. Uh, the punter, obviously, Colin Goodfellow, uh, out now, which is a shame. But it's not like that. that, that, that this unit as a whole was performing phenomenally with him. Although I do really, it, he's the one that won, won us the Missouri game straight up. So what am, what am I talking about here? But yeah, I think that the coaching, you have to ask, you know, what's it going to do in this game? What is Rich Scangarello, who I don't think is going to be here very, very much longer? Um, what is he going to do in this game? What does the play calling look like? You've got talented receivers on the outside that I think could maybe press Louisville a little bit. Maybe frustrate them a little bit if you can get the protection. Listen, I just don't, I, I'm not saying Kentucky's going to go out here and blow them out. I do think that they'll win by 7-10. to 10. I think they'll cover. Right now, according to ESPN, their line, the line's at 3. I've seen it at 1.5 at different places as well. as well. Look, I think they cover. I do not care about the Vanderbilt loss. It's, it's um, in the words of Josh Pate, it's Dorvember. Check your calendars. Yeah, I, I just don't see Kentucky losing this game. If they do end up losing it, I think it's going to be by a lot. I do not see them losing this game close. I think that they win this game by 7 to 10. I'm not going to give a final score on this one because I genuinely just, everybody's kind of checked out on football at this point. And honestly, I don't think I could put a final score on this game and be accurate. Because who knows, this, this may be a shootout. Also, one more thing to note, this could be the, the thing that really just kind of ends Kentucky's chances in this game. Uh, Louisville 
gets after uh, the quarterback. They are really, really solid getting after the, the passer, uh, one of the best in the country when it comes to sacks per game. So that's just something to note here. And their defense also has been pretty good this season. 19.6 points per game allowed. And they've played some high-flying offenses again uh, in weird circumstances. But yeah, give me t- Kentucky to win. Give me Kentucky to cover. Uh, what does Chris Rodriguez do against this front? Again, we, I think it all just comes down to, does Kentucky shoot themselves in the foot? If they don't, they've got the talent to win this one. That's just my thought. If you got a thought on the Governor's Cup, if you got a thought about anything that we talked about today, you can hit me on the socials at LockedOnUK on Twitter or at LanceDaw underscore on Twitter as well. And that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Kentucky. Hey, you can find me at those two show- socials on Twitter. Again, LanceDaw underscore and at LockedOnUK. Any questions, thoughts, concerns, comments, you can leave them there. Or if you're watching on YouTube, you can leave them in the YouTube comments as well. I will see you all on Monday for another episode of Locked on Kentucky. Hope you guys have a great weekend and God bless.